Enterprise log, Captain James Kirk commanding. We are leaving that vast cloud of stars and planets which we call our galaxy. The question, what is out there in the black void beyond? This is Captain Kirk of the USS Enterprise. Is there anyone on board? Is there anyone on board? Have you raised anyone, Lieutenant? Nothing, sir. It is an unmanned probe which seems to be carrying a warhead. William Shatner stars as Captain Kirk and Leonard Nimoy as science officer Spock on Star Trek in color. Welcome to Frequency 13, a safe space for Generation X, episode 22-2-2. I'm not a numerologist, but I sure like numbers, and 22 is a cool number. Cool number. Divided by two, you get a prime, 11. <laughs> so what? Double it by two, and you're still younger than me. <laughs> oh, Lord, that's not, that's funny. That's supposed to be funny. All right, look. What do we got going this week? We're gonna we got a couple of you just heard at the beginning there. That was the now this was NBC who had Star Trek originally. We're gonna talk about the original series. Star Trek is so big and one of my favorite things. There's just no way that I could cover the whole thing in a episode, two episodes, three episodes. Now, as Xers, we watched this in syndication, but man, it was big in syndication. It was bigger in syndication than it was when it when it came out. So we're gonna watch, we're gonna talk about the original series, a little bit about the history of it, and so a little bit about the politics too, which I think is is really interesting and kind of carries forth today, uh, to today, at least at least at some level. I don't know that today's Star Trek on CBS still has the same panache, the same uh, forward-thinking, change-the-world type of progressive politics that we experienced with the uh, earlier versions of Star Trek, but I digress. (laughs) And then we're going to talk about microwave popcorn. (laughs) Yeah, if you want to pause now and get yourself a bag, that's okay. <laughs> Cause just talking about it, man, makes you makes you I'm 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 telling you right now, I, I wish I had a bag right now. It just you wouldn't like me chewing popcorn in front of the microphone. It's you trust me. <laughs> All right, but that's what we're gonna talk about today. Uh not a whole lot going on current event wise. I did not finish the the project, <laughs> the basement. It's not finished. <laughs> getting closer <laughs> ran out of time during vacation and honestly works caught up to me i just i'm putting in way too many hours right now trying to keep get caught up uh from vacation so we'll try to get a few more few more little things accomplished this weekend uh and then uh, i think it's going to be good enough that we can move my daughter downstairs at that point so maybe sunday afternoon we could we can get to that point it's just you know trim and finish the stuff that takes forever so it's nothing big. The the big stuff's done. I made a couple mistakes. Uh, you know, I put in that vinyl plank flooring, luxury vinyl flooring, whatever it is. I only put it had a pad with it, so I didn't put it. All I did was put the uh, the six mil poly against the concrete, you know, for a, a moisture bar- moisture barrier. 
but I didn't put any other thing there. So uh, I regret that. But you know what? It's basement. It's fine. It's <laughs> it's way better than it was. That's that's what everybody keeps telling me. So. All right, so I won't be talking. What am I going to talk about after that? Maybe I'll get on my bicycle again, right? I mean, geez, oh, Pete, the summer just disappeared. We're already in the fall. Oh, man. So, <laughs> yeah, and tennis is over already. My daughter's tennis season's already over. It's a very short season up here. So her and I have been playing at least, well, we played once since the season was over. We'll, we'll get another round in, another match in. She beat me. <laughs> <laughs> so before she started playing, I beat her and now she plays one season and she's whooping me. So eh, what do you expect? <laughs> and not that I'm old or anything. Right. So, all right. So that's going to be the focus, but let's, let's start out with last week's Simpsons trivia. Okay. Last week's Simpsons trivia. Let's see here. Uh, that was King size Homer season seven, episode seven. All right. Here we go with those numbers again, two primes. Uh, so Homer's hacking away, you know, he's, you remember he'd gained weight to go on disability <laughs> and, and interesting, we're talking about microwave popcorn, but if you remember, you know, the theater owner offered him a garbage bag full of popcorn <laughs> because they couldn't accommodate a man of his generous carriage. <laughs> so anyway, he's hacking away, you know, he's, uh, Y E S, you know, or whatever. He's trying to get something done. He says, man, all this hacking's making me thirsty. He says, I think I'll order myself a tab. <laughs> That's the answer. The question was, what what did he order himself? Well, there's a tab on the keyboard, and it was a perfect segue because we talked about tab. Did you get a tab? Did you try one? Does it taste like you remember? I don't. Unfortunately, I I actually can't remember the taste well enough to say that the current tab tastes as good as the saccharin tab. So I I don't know, man. I don't know. <laughs> At the time, different time and place, it it tastes fine. Now I'll tell you what. Today still tastes really good to me, and I'm not a big cola cola drinker these days, so I had to I had to suffer through it. But uh, bottled Coke, I haven't had one of those in a while. But bottled Coke still, and it's cold out, it's hot outside. You have a nice cold bottled Coke, dude. That is the that is amazing. I mean, it is just it's exhilarating actually <laughs> to drink a bottled Diet Coke. I don't know what the magic sauce is, but you can't hardly get them anymore. They're like these little specialty items, right? You can't just go get them out of a vending machine with the bottle opener. We got to talk about those glass vending machines and returning pop bottles too. That I mean, I haven't haven't got into that, but that was a that was a little money maker, right? Collecting pop bottles and cans. The pop bottles are worth a dime. You know, you take them back to the uh, gas station; they give you a dime a piece for them. It's a pretty cool deal. Um, and then they had those. Later on, they had the the bottles. This, they look similar to the bottles we have today, the plastic bottles. But you remember they were glass, and they had that styrofoam uh, covering on them to keep them. I'm guessing it was for insulation, right? Remember that? And you tear it off, and man, you want to talk about destroying a landfill? How many of those things were out there? Those things. There's no way those are biodegrading. <laughs> I guarantee you, there are a few layers deep, but they're out there, man. Anyway, yeah, that's uh, that's. <laughs> so I hope you had a tab. All right, so this week's episode it was called Homerazi, right? Now, it's the 16th uh, 16th episode in season 18. Uh, interesting, two even numbers for that one, right? Uh, it was their 394th episode overall. <laughs> There's so many episodes, man, I'm telling you. And this was from 2007. All right, so it's Homer's birthday, okay? 
And uh, and this is, we're late in the evening here, so I'm sorry. I, I just heard some noise outside. Somebody's got a motorcycle. I didn't do an early morning one today. It's late evening, so forgive me. Uh, <laughs> we're going to have some of that people out, out enjoying their evening. All right, so they sing happy birthday to him, right? And he's got to make a wish. What does he wish for during the episode? What does Homer wish for during the episode? And this, by the way, friends, this is part of the episode. Okay, we're recreating our series finale party for Star Trek Voyager. Oh, man. I thought I was strong enough to get through this again, but... I'm not. <laughs> oh, Captain Janeway, your mission ended too soon. Too soon. Oh, uh, I got to tell you, you know, that is actually, she's my favorite captain, man. Uh, you know, she really is. And <laughs> there's controversy out there. <laughs> and we're obviously only, we're only going to talk about the uh, original series. Right. And, and a little bit about that, but there's more to it. There is more to it. And that is who is your favorite captain? That is polarizing among Star Trek fans. Mine's been Janeway. It's always been Janeway. And I, I don't know why, because I like Picard as well. Uh, he's probably my second favorite, but you know, there's something about Janeway. What I liked about it is the show didn't use any tropes uh, with Janeway. She was, you know, out all by herself, a very powerful woman who who didn't have to use any tropes to to be there. Um, she just was very genuine and real. And I don't know, man, I just um, <laughs> I loved her. She was great. So that was my favorite captain. But that anyway, that <laughs> that little bit comes from uh, <laughs> comes from Homerazi. So you have to see why they were recreating the. Uh, <laughs> recreating the uh, Star Trek Voyager finale party. But that's not the question. That's not the question. Home, so they sing happy birthday to him. So what What does Homer wish for on his birthday before he blows out the candles? That's the question this week for episode 22. And this is, uh, again, coming from season 18, episode 16. What does Homer wish on his birthday before he blows out the candles? Now, you can watch that on... Disney Plus. They have all the Simpsons on there, which I love since they bought Fox. And it's so much easier to get them. They're organized. There was a period of time FX had them, I think. But before that, you know, I couldn't even buy seasons because I didn't have FX. I didn't have cable. So I couldn't buy seasons. So seasons, I think it was six through 15. They must have had some weird rights, but I could not buy them on iTunes. (laughs) I'm serious, man. You know, it's like, why not those seasons? But now you can watch all of them on Disney. And it's pretty cheap. So I dig it. All right. Now let's talk about let's we gotta get into this. Let's talk about Star Trek. We heard the we heard that all important original uh original uh what do you call it? Commercial, I guess. Promotion. Promotion for NBC when the show was live. I had never seen or heard that before, so it's kind of unique to hear that. You know, very early on, it hadn't become Star Trek. There was this is before it was introduced. I mean, it was brand new, man. It was just a promotion, and no one knew what to think about it. And Star Trek was, you know, the network didn't even know what to think about it because when and I, so Roddenberry, Gene Roddenberry, 
he he was a writer. He used to be a police officer. I don't know if you knew that. He, started, he, he wrote science fiction on the side. Now, you think about it. He's in a little apartment writing sci-fi. Uh, and so he's seeing all of the, what I would say is the negativity of human beings, right? Police don't get called to parties. They get called to where, you know places where there's trouble. And, and they see people at their worst, right? Whatever the case may be, either they're, they're a victim of a crime, uh, whatever the situation is, or they perpetrated a crime or allegedly have. So they don't typically cross paths with people that are just living their lives, being positive. So he gets to see all this and he gets to see all of the, you know, sociological ills of the world. This is Los Angeles, by the way, is where he was at. But anyway, um, there was a lot of political dimensions to Star Trek. And he always intended his show to be, uh, to have this really progressive political agenda. Now, you can enjoy this regardless of your actual political affiliation. And this is why, because what he wanted to do and what he did a great job of is show what humanity might develop into, not what it is today, right? We can look back, we can always look back and and question things and talk about, you know, we're seeing it right now with, with what with this, uh, you know, people are looking back and, you know, amending things or, you know, getting rid of certain programming from television or putting some kind of a <laughs> warning label when you go to watch it on Netflix, all those kinds of things. So we know that we are not perfect as humans, right? We know that, man. Uh and 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 certainly Roddenberry did too, and, and that's really what the idea of his of, of the show was was to say, look, this is what we could do. So he was cap, he was he was, uh, you know, dealing with allegories basically of contemporary cultural realities, and this was the '60s, right? So this was, I mean, there was issues with with war, peace, you know, authoritarianism, imperialism, class warfare, racism, religion you know, sexism, feminism, right? All those things. And and the idea was that he was creating these new worlds that had new rules so he could make these statements about these things um, and take them on Star Trek. But it was really, you know, giving us a chance to think. And not everybody got that, right? A lot of people think of Star Trek as just <laughs> shooting phasers and fighting aliens, right? I mean, that, but that's not what it is. That's what separates it really, in my opinion, from other, you know, from an, an actual science fiction uh, opera, space opera, like Star Wars, which I love Star Wars. It's a great show, but it's just, you know, it's not, it doesn't have a message. It doesn't have, did, uh, give you the ability to dream about the future, right? And that's, to me, that's the best part of Star Trek is I look at that and I imagine what we could develop into and what it would be like. And I, I understand that, you know, my generation, our generation X is not going to see that, right? We might've thought we were a long time ago, but you know, this is a long time in the future. And you hope that, you know, we work some of these things out and, and we get there. And, you know, there's so many of those things that, that, you know, they're they're doing work and doing things because, you know, they want to contribute and be part of something. And all of these basic human needs are met. I mean, they've got the replicator. The replicator answers a lot of the problems I think we have. This consumption society, man, I'm really getting into this this philosophical thing here. But, you know, there's no need. I mean, you consume, um, I mean, everything gets recycled. So whatever you have, you dump it into the recycle bin. It gets broken down to all its elements. And then when you need something different, you know, if you want to go play tennis and you need a, a tennis racket, you simply get a tennis racket and you have it make a tennis racket for you and you go play tennis, right? 
when you're done with it, you get, you know, I'm tired of playing the hobby of tennis. I recycle my tennis racket and then somebody else goes in and they need to make a, uh, you know, a new shirt, right? New uniform. And they take all these, you know, essential components and the thing kind of creates it. Now we think about 3D printers early on, but I mean, that's kind of what the replicator is. It's a much more advanced version of that. So all these things that are imagined, by the way, they got, you know, the star, the, the, the StarTAC phone, Motorola StarTAC was literally, that was a play on Star Trek. It was the communicator, the flip phone, right? Seriously. That was, I mean, that was the engineers were Star Trek fans. <laughs> so a lot of these things happen. Pad, I've talked about, I think I've talked about the pad on this, this show. Maybe, maybe it was a different show, but the pad, right? P-A-D-D, the personal something, digital something device. Uh, and, you know, it's, it's, we have an iPad, right? These things are imagined by people, and then fans and, uh, of Star Trek and other science fiction, you know, end up being engineers and and people that design things. And next thing you know, we have these same same things because, you know, if you can dream it, we can do it, and, and things are going to happen. And we start. We may not have ever thought to do X Y Z until you know the other XYZ was invented. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh my God, we can do this, this, and this, right? So, man, that's what I love about Star Trek is it gave you a chance to think about the future and imagine a time and seeing other species too, like the Vulcans, right? They had gotten past their violent past, right? They uh, Now they were emotionless, which is in- interesting. They're certainly an extreme example of it. But at the same time, they could, you know, be less, um, you know, less prone to war. They wouldn't, get angry over things that were just futile, right? I mean, get mad. It's like, it's like when we road rage, <laughs> you get mad at somebody because they didn't see you and they drove into you, or you get mad at somebody and you cut them off and slam your brakes on. It's like, really? <laughs> what are we gaining here? <laughs> you know, it's like, it's so futile, man. Anyway, um, and we had a very racially diverse crew, uh, if you remember that. So that was, uh, you know, that they had uh, aliens on the crew, a Vulcan, which was, you know, the ultimate uh, diversity, wasn't it? I mean, it's not just variety of humans, which there were. I mean, you had, and they, they all had their accents and they all had their, you know, pride in who they were, uh, in, in, in including including an alien. So that was kind of cool, way ahead of its time. This is the 60s, man, you know, this is counterculture. And, and it, uh, you know, it had pretty good ratings early on. Uh, and then, but it only ran three seasons. <laughs> Did you know that? Yeah. Only ran three seasons. But then it went into Rebirth. And then it went into, uh, uh, what do you call it? Uh, syndication. Syndication took it and ran. Man, yeah, they ran. And that's when we were watching it. And I used to love it. And it came on Sunday evenings. Like, God, was it 6 p.m.? I think it was like 6 p.m., 5 or 6 p.m. It was a weird time on a Saturday. But, you know, and that was a... I don't know that I would have watched it any other time because Saturday, I mean, you're kind of wound down, uh, you know, especially in the wintertime, you know, you played all day, you're coming in, getting ready for dinner, you know, somebody's cooking supper, whatever the case may be. And you get to get an episode of Star Trek in and, you know, the, the, it was in color. Now I had to watch it in black and white for, you know, several years. I, I'd say I was, I can't remember when we had, a. <laughs> there's a funny story. I've told you this. We had that color console TV that I remember when I vaguely remember a TV repairman, you know, replacing the tubes or something when I was really little. And then they went out again. And the next thing you know, Uncle Gary brings by an old, a uh, little Sony. 
I don't even know if it's 13 inch, man. <laughs> a little Sony black and white TV. And yeah, where the hell do we set it? Right on top of the console, right on top of the console television. So <laughs> I, you know, they, they advertised it in color and it was in color. I watched it in black and white. A lot of people were, I mean, this is, you know, early seventies. Not everyone had a color TV still. I mean, they, they, you know, and if they had them a lot of times, you know, they were expensive to repair and replace. And when it went out, it went out. Uh, not like today where you, you can go down and buy a giant TV for a couple hundred bucks at Walmart every day of the week. <laughs> and they're throwaway items where you used to repair them and, and all those kinds of things. But, and they don't get recycled. See, that's we're we're at that level. We're a little ways from Star Trek. We're not recycling uh, all of these components. Now, Apple is kind of advanced on that. If you saw their machine, this was years ago now, but they have a machine that completely disassembles, like a little robot, completely disassembles an iPhone to all of its component parts. And all those things do get recycled. And there are third-party companies that recycle electronics, and they do that. And some of the stuff just gets melted down. Some of the stuff gets reused, right? And they they have these piles of things. Uh, They have actual humans doing it, but Apple came up with these robots to do it. So, you know, it's happening. And as as we get to you know, a, a point in uh, our, our technological evolution <laughs> where we have, you know, similar devices like, you know, iPhones or iPhones. It's easy to take them all apart. Everybody has the same iPhone, right? And I know that sounds, you know, like you're lacking choice, but really what's inside the phone is what your choice comes in, right? The the device is just the device. It doesn't even matter anymore. Uh, it's, it's not any better to use than anything else. It's what's inside the apps you put on there, you know, those kinds of things. Those are, those are what make the, the technology interesting. But anyway, you know, all of the MacBook pros, for example, could be disassembled the same way, uh, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, we're getting there. We're not to that recycling place where we just dump it in a bin and, uh, it gets broken down to its molecular level component parts, right? We're not there yet. Who knows? <laughs> but um anyway so yeah that's you know i, I don't i'm not going to get into all of the star trek uh you know the bios of, of the folks you know we all know leonard nimoy and william shatner uh we know gene roddenberry very well and uh william shatner's still around by the way he is still alive and well still very prolific he's on i mean he's funny he's on twitter he's always putting stuff out there just you know from what i can see just a a real genuine human being which not surprising right i mean very interesting guy leonard amoy did pass away all right so rest in peace commander spock um the the cult following that star trek won really didn't happen during its original run like i say it happened during syndication and the first Star Trek convention, for example, was in January of 72 in New York City. And they only expected a few hundred fans, but several thousand turned up. That's right. There's a lot of us out there, man. There's a lot of us out there. And a lot of there's a lot of closet star Trekkies too, right? There's a lot of us out there. And we're all at different levels. Some people are really into the canon and really into the storyline, you know, and I think they do this with video games or the same way. But they really get into some of this. There's a lot of fan fiction out there. I mean, there are a lot of books. Shatner's even written a couple of a couple of the books, and they're fun to read. They're fun to watch. I mean, you can put it on just in the background, you know. Or I mean, you got nothing on on television. I just I put Star Trek on. I truly do. Um, <laughs> I, I it gets great. And and when we're not we're not we're going to get into Next Generation at some point. But it was remastered digitally for Netflix, 
you know, for a streaming platform. And it looks great, man. It looks great. Now you got to double click it and it, it blows it up because it was originally made in the format to watch it, uh, to watch it in the regular size, I guess is the right word for that. But, uh, yeah, it was, uh, I don't know, man. I, I think, I think if you haven't seen the original, it's worth a, worth a rewatch and it's campy. I mean, there's a lot of, it's like, there's a lot of it that you're like, are you kidding me right now? <laughs> <laughs> so some of it might be hard to get through, but if you enjoy, you know, that sixties campy stuff, there's a lot of messages in there. It's a, there's a lot to see in there. You know, you watch it and you, I think you'll get a sense of exactly why, why it was so powerful and why, uh, you know, people, why people are drawn to it. And there's so many of us that are drawn to it. That's, that's the interesting thing. We're, there's just so many of us drawn to it. So take a look at it. Let me know what you think, man. You know, send me a note. I, I'm really interested because I love it. And I know it's not everybody does. Not everybody gets it, I guess, is the best way to say it. And and even among our, our Gen X friends that, you know, we all grew up, we, we could have went two ways, right? So we had Star Trek and yeah, the motion picture, we're not going to talk about that right now, but it sucked. <laughs> <laughs> Wrath of Khan was amazing, but the original motion picture, man, what was with those uniforms? <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> anyway, I mean, the, the the folks were good. The show is just, you know, it just wasn't what you expected. After after you had seen the Star Wars movie and then you see you're so excited about the Star Trek motion picture and what they gave us is what they gave us. You're like, eh, really? All right. Anyway, Leonard Amoy, uh, let's see, we had uh, James Duhan as Scotty uh, and Uhura. Now, she, ooh, man, Nichelle Nichols. Yeah, that's right. Uhura. She's still around. She still goes to the, uh, to the, uh, club, the uh, what do you call it, the conventions and whatnot. Uh, still out there. Wonderful woman. George Takai, uh, Hikaru Sulu, uh, great guy. He's still around. He's still fairly prolific. He's on Twitter. A lot of the, that's a funny thing, man. A lot of these, that was my dog shaking. <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, go watch it. Go check it out. Let me know what you think on the original series. Now, what are we, let's, you know, first, let's listen to, <laughs> I got this. This is, there's not a lot of Simpsons out there on, on popping corn, by the way. I got to tell you, there's not a lot of Simpsons out there on popping corn. But <laughs> hold on a second. I need the name of everyone who buys Chintzy Pop popcorn. Chintzy Pop is the worst legal popcorn. Many of the kernels are baby teeth. There are only two idiots cheap enough to buy this crap. You and... Oh, baby. Is there anything better than video poker and Chintzy Pop? Whoa, I'm looking at an inside straight. Oh, someday I'll hear the winning music. Someday. <laughs> All right, so that was Van Houten, right? After he's been divorced. <laughs> so they're playing video poker, eating Jitsy Pops. So, but look, we're, we're, I could not find, I couldn't find any, any Simpsons episodes that dealt with microwavable popcorn. Can you believe that? I mean, I, so microwave popcorn changed everything, didn't it? I don't care how you got your popcorn before that. And a lot of people were, you know, popcorn aficionados when we were kids, but, you know, we had a, I'll tell you how we did it. We had one of those, uh, oh, what the hell's the name of the thingy? You know the name of the thingy, don't you? It was uh, Air Popper. We got one of those. And, you know, the popcorn was never as good as movie theater popcorn, not even close. 
So it air popped everything. It was pretty cool. You put a little thing. It was easy to use. Uh, you know, people roast coffee in these things now. You can buy them up literally at the secondhand store and roast coffee. <laughs> it's a true story. Uh, and it turns out pretty good uh, from what, what I understand. I, I've never done it. I, I used a Whirly Pop to roast some coffee, and it was really good, too. But anyway, uh, the the idea of microwave popcorn, it, it, it had been around. It was not a new uh, idea, the idea of microwave popcorn. I mean, this is from back in the 40s because actually they invented the microwave, the radar range. They figured it out because of the uh, because of popping corn. So Percy Spencer, he filed a patent back in 47, uh, detailing the use of microwaves to pop popcorn. And the history of the microwave is its own. I mean, that's a whole separate, whole separate deal, right? But Percy had figured this out. He's kind of, he was working for Raytheon at the time. And he uh, he invented the thing. He invented microwave popcorn and patented it. But his looked a little different. It was like a a bag with a uh, a whole ear of corn inside of it, and it would pop that way. So it was a little a little different than what we see today or what we expect. And, and there was a you know there was a lot of a lot of folks out there making it, but uh, really, I would say that there's there's a few things that really drove convenience, right? The microwave was gaining popularity and people were really becoming passionate about fitness. Remember we talked about Olivia Newton-John, she was in, you know, singing that song in the Simpsons a couple couple episodes ago, Let's Get Physical, right? And she's in a, a, a an outfit with uh, what do they call that aerobics outfits, right? The leg warmers and the leotard and all that. Well, that was I mean, this was this was a time when people were doing that. This was there was a fitness craze in the US in the early 80s. And it, I mean, it really carried on through the 80s. Remember Thighmaster? That was an 80s product. Uh, uh, Suzanne Summers that sold that, I think. And then there was uh, Richard Simmons doing a fitness thing. And God, who was the other? Jane Fonda. Remember her? She had the tapes too, right? It was, it was cassette tapes because now you could do all this fitness at home. You could put a, a tape in the VCR uh, and and work out and exercise at home. So it was just it was perfect timing again. But, you know, and jogging was before that. Late 70s, all joggers, right? Jogger, jogger, jogger. Yeah, it was bad for your knees, so they figured out how to do low-impact aerobics. Remember? <laughs> Hold on. <laughs> Man, I'm digressing here. Remember that that trampoline your grandma had? <laughs> or your mother, maybe? <laughs> Remember that? It was for low-impact exercise, right? You jog on that so it wouldn't hurt your knees. <laughs> yeah, they were they were everywhere. As kids, you just wanted to go play on them, right? They were just, they were fun. But, uh, yeah, they were for exercise. <laughs> all right, so... Yeah, the, it was, so everybody was in, and so you know, popcorn is a pretty healthy snack all by itself. When it's just simply the kernels, it's got it's got fiber. I mean, it's you know, it's really not bad for you in any specific sense of the word. Low calorie, high fiber. People were into that kind of thing. Now, I remember when we would get popcorn before microwave popcorn it was from Kmart. <laughs> That's. That's right. Yeah, I got my shoes there and my popcorn, <laughs> a few other things too. We got, I mean, that was you know before Walmart, at least where I was at. Uh, but we, my grandfather loved those bags of popcorn, so we would take our family trip to Kmart. Probably like once a month, we'd go down there, and while Grandma would chase around and shop the blue light specials, uh, Grandpa would head over, and we'd we first of all we would go to the cafeteria. <laughs> Now, if you lived around a Kmart, you know what I'm talking about. They had a cafeteria in the back. You get a sandwich or whatnot, but 
we'd go in there and I'd usually get a soda pop and I don't know, a snack. And literally, I mean, that's, that's how it was. You know, it's no different today than I guess having Subway at the front of uh, Walmart, except that it was in the back of the store and, and you'd go in there and, you know, you select a variety of things and, you know, you get a dessert, you get a brownie, whatever you want to get. And you sit down in the little booths and, you know, you visit or whatever. And, and that's what grandpa and I would do. Uh, and by the way, that's, they had cigarette vending machines in there too. That's, oh, that's a great topic. We're going to get, we talk about those beauties. <laughs> yeah. Cigarette vending machines. Uh, but we, so we do that. And then, and then on the way out up in the middle there, there'd be like a snack bar. Right. And it was up kind of toward the front of the store and they had this little snack. You can icy. Remember those? And they were like that, that red and blue thing. And they had a, had an icy thing that would rotate. It was a cup with a white polar bear. Remember that? White polar bear. I guess all polar bears were white, but it would just, that, that was the icy thing. And, and you can get a couple of different flavors. And they weren't, they weren't as good as a Slurpee. They weren't as sweet, but they, you know, they were, if you could get your hands on one, you, you wouldn't turn it away. Uh, but, Grandpa, they had these, they'd make popcorn and they'd sell them, sell them in these big, narrow bags. And they were like, you know, three foot tall. And he loved that popcorn. And so he'd always buy a sack of that on the way out. I have no idea what it cost. Don't even, don't even get me started. But, you know, we, so we check out and, and head, uh, head home. And that's, you know, that's where you get your popcorn. And I'd uh, snack on that with grandpa while he played cards and we'd watch TV or whatever was going on. And then until we had the air popper and the air popper came out a couple of times, but we still got the Kmart popcorn. Uh, it wasn't until later. I'd actually, it was after my grandfather passed away because he would have loved to have seen microwave popcorn because he, he passed in 81 and really, really it wasn't a thing until 80, was it 82, I believe. Uh, and, and that was even then it was frozen. So the original act one, so you probably didn't know this act two is like the popcorn, right? That's the one I always buy. Anyway, it's my favorite, the butter lovers or the double butter lovers. Love it, baby. Uh, there was an act one and the act one had to be refrigerated. Yeah. You couldn't, yeah, it had stuff in it. You had to refrigerate. You couldn't leave it out. And now of course they're inventing machines and you know, they're shelf stable. So it's no big deal. Uh, but yeah, grandpa would have loved it. I'm telling you, he, he would have loved that. At least I think he would have, maybe not, but the convenience, man, the convenience, you just slap that in the microwave and most microwaves today. And when did that start? Maybe the nineties, you started getting a button, right? A button for popcorn. Now that was cool because now you could just go hit the popcorn button and then you do plus or minus, right? So it was like, it was a game. And I remember my first microwave with my wife, we had the popcorn button. So that, God, that was in the nineties. Uh, I don't know if it's that we had those in the eighties or not, if it's just, you were on your own, but we would, uh, we had it set to where we knew that brand of popcorn, you put it in there, you hit popcorn minus 30 or whatever, and it would make it perfect. It pop almost every kernel. Cause in the eighties, remember you, sometimes you'd, you'd, you had two things going for you. And the worst thing that happened, you'd burn the popcorn. Remember that? And one side of the bag would come out just burnt and nasty and the smell. Man, the smell would just hang forever. <laughs> and you can't, nothing you can do about it, right? It's just that is what it is. Uh, and then, you know, it became an art after a while to get all the popcorn uh, popped. Oh, man, I want to get me some now. But so this is funny. So this is my, what it changed things because there was people, now the air popper people, the, uh, all the, the whirly pop people, all these other people were a little nervous. Because now you didn't need a popcorn machine. And it's funny because people go buy fancy popcorn machines now for like 200 bucks, uh, you know, for their home theaters and whatnot. Yes, I know that because I found them recently when I was looking for just, I wanted to get like a, 
doing the research for the show, I thought, you know, I wouldn't mind having one of those ones that kind of like the electric whirly pops is what I would call it. And what are they called? Man, I tell you what, I gotta, I gotta find out what they're called. Um, West Bend made it, makes them the, uh, yeah, the crazy electric hot oil popcorn, stir crazy, West Bend stir crazy. That's my, what my wife had as a kid. She had a stir crazy and they, cause they, you know, her, her folks were, I wouldn't say anti, anti-microwave popcorn, but they were anti-microwave popcorn for some reason. So, you know, they did the West Bend thing. So for her, microwave popcorn was new when, you know, we got, we got together, but, uh, and the this, this back to West Bend because that's where where it starts getting interesting. But back in the early eighties, um, Deborah Cum K U M M, she was a manager for West Bend Company, and they made popcorn popcorn poppers. And she said, and I quote, "Microwave popcorn is a fad." That's what she told the New York Times, and she said. It will last until people read the labels and realize what chemicals microwave manufacturers put in their popcorn. Because remember, the health craze, right? And so was she right? No, absolutely not. Because nobody cares. I hate to tell you. Nobody nobody cares what's in their popcorn. Um, <laughs> they, they, I, I, that's not true. Some people care. Most people don't. They don't care what's in their Coke. They don't care what's in their microwave popcorn or any other conveyance. They just like to eat the food what's what's at the end of it right so that's the thing man and you know i don't know i don't have a i don't have a place in it but i do know that microwave popcorn was like the number one snack and so you had two things going for you, you had blockbuster we've already talked about that Vid- video video cassettes that you can now rent go home watch a movie and now you can microwave popcorn because popcorn and a coke and a movie just go hand in hand and that's what's going to happen here tonight i'm going to tell you that right now as soon as i'm done here I'm, I'm going to go, I've got some popcorn ready. I've already got some double butter act two sitting in the cover. <laughs> going to pop it up and uh, watch a movie <laughs> and a Coke. <laughs> it's happening, baby. All right. So, all right. So there was a, there was another, you know, act two wasn't, wasn't it when it came to popcorn. Now tell me if you, if you remember, tell me if you remember this guy. Hello, I'm Orville Redenbacher. Took me 40 years to discover the real secret to great popcorn. It's my special kernel. Pops up lighter and fluffier. So when other microwave popcorns say they have the secret, I say let's compare them to my gourmet microwave popping corn. With my special kernels, you get more popcorn than with other national brands. I got their secret. What's that? There's just as a measure up to yours. <laughs> Orville Redenbacher, the first and last name in popcorn. Now, if you don't know, he he was a marketing guru. He was marketing popcorn in the seventies, right? Just his regular popping corn, okay. And and I never, I mean, you got to put it together. Popping corn is the product before you pop it, and it's popcorn after you pop it. So I always got a kick out of that, you know, his gourmet popping corn, and it was good, you know, and it still is good. I'm an act guy, but uh, Orville Redenbacher really really drove it home. He was a salesman and he had so many commercials. Remember his son was on there too? I didn't there's dude, I could find so many commercials from Orville Redenbacher. But he was a big deal with microwave popping corn and uh really kind of I I'd say pushed it forward better than act 2. Uh he he as far as driving it into the mainstream and again, the microwave became, you know, it was ubiquitous with the 80s. People were getting them in the 70s with the 80s. Man, everybody had a microwave. That was just become standard boat. And now you can't buy a house without a microwave. 
It's just part of your appliance package. Seriously. I mean, they're just, they're built in now. That's just the way it goes. They still sell them for the cupboard or for the counter. And I'm sure people still put them there. I'm going to put one in my basement. Uh, but yeah, they, they're built in for the most part. You buy a house, get a microwave, you get a stove, get a microwave, get a fridge, get a dishwasher. And all those things were, were kind of new back then. And, and, uh, man, there's not really been a new appliance that you're like, oh my God, I got to have one since the eighties. Is there? Tell me. I don't know. I don't think so. Anyway, it's time to go get some popcorn and watch a movie. That's what I think. Tell me, did you, what do you think? Were you a spin pop? I mean, how did you prepare your popcorn? I'd love to know. Send me a note. I, I got to know. Uh, and then next week, next week, we're going to talk about cassette tapes. We're not going to just talk about, we're going to talk a little bit about cassette tapes, but really we're going to talk about the Columbia music uh, thing, right? Where you tape a penny to the thing from the magazine. Remember that? All right. Well, we'll get into that. And <laughs> And well, I'm just, I, I've always been curious uh, how how much they collected on those deals, or how many people they had to take to collections over that thing. But so while you're waiting for your uh, radiation king to pop that double butter bag of microwave popping corn, reach down, like and review the show. If you're on Facebook, look up the show, join and like the page. Frequency thirteen, the blog frequency13.com has expanded show notes of select episodes. I'm on Twitter at frequency13pod or email me at freq13fm at gmail.com. Thanks again, and all the best.